And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. This morning we're looking at the passage that Ron just so eloquently read for us. Uh, You know, too many times uh, we tend to just, I don't know, gloss through Scripture and not give it any feeling. Uh, These are actual stories. Um, Gosh, if you know who I'm talking about, say his name. His his first name is Max. He's Trinidad and Tobago, and he's associated with Ligonier Ministries, has been for many, many years. He's he's theater. He's got a British accent, being from Trinidad and Tobago. Has a British accent, but he is an incredible interpreter of anything that he reads. I mean, he puts his heart and soul in it, and it's just, it's just ridiculous. And you hear something after he reads it, and you go, I've never heard it like that before. Ron imitated that. Did you notice that? It was, it was, it was read with empathy and with feeling. And uh, I'm, Ron, thank you. That's, you know, and if you can't do that, that's, that's fine. That's a gift, all right? Ron, I just, I just appreciated that so much. Okay, well... We're, we're looking at this lady who is healed today and hopefully going to figure out some differences between what you might call, uh, I don't know, dead religion and, and living religion, okay? An encounter with the living Christ. That's what's going on here. One of the most effective tools that Satan has uh, used to keep people away from a relationship with the living God is dead religion. Okay, if, if, you're, if you're in a dead religion, you're not going to encounter the living God. When our Lord was in, on this earth, who was most of his battles with? Was it the non-religious or the religious? It was with the religious. They're the ones that persecuted him that, that eventually sent him to the cross. Well, down through the centuries, Satan, the master counterfeiter, has smuggled religious people into the church in order to keep the others from a genuine Heart transform, transforming experience with God. Now, in Mark chapter 7, we have what is perhaps the best description of dead religion. Our Lord confronted the Pharisees, and here's what he said. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, so this is what Isaiah says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Now that's perfectly apropos for our passage this morning. This synagogue ruler is getting really upset because somebody broke his rules. He didn't care that this woman had had, had gotten healed. Well, Luke has been showing the mounting division between, Jewish, uh, between Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders. Now, Jesus is resolutely heading towards Jerusalem and the cross. Right? He has set his face. He is going. And in spite of his warnings to the leaders and the people that they can read the, so- that read the weather, but they're missing the signs of the time, in other words, the Messiah is in their midst, they continue to oppose him. Now, he's just warned them that if they don't bear fruit soon, What's going to happen? The owner of the vineyard is going to cut them down. 
Now Luke doesn't identify the current incident as to time or place, but he puts it here in, in, in our narrative show, to show that in, in spite of the continuing opposition from the religious leaders, God really is powerfully at work through Jesus in establishing and extending his kingdom. Now the two parables that follow, which we'll cover over the next few weeks, uh, they, they underscore that same point. Luke has repeatedly emphasized Jesus' teaching ministry. Well, Jesus here again is teaching. You know, it must have been wonderful to sit there and listen to Jesus expound the Word of God. How many, would you like to, how many of you would like to do that? You kind of feel like Mary, right? You know, sitting at His feet, just absorbing everything that He said. Well, even though Jesus was the most gifted teacher that has ever lived, uh, those with hardened hearts, they still rejected and resisted His message. Now, even though Jesus backed up his message by mighty works of power, the religious leaders were, were growing in their opposition to him. And this is all by God's design. Don't, don't, don't get bent out of shape because of that. It's part of God's, God's design. This is the last time that Luke reports Jesus teaching in a synagogue. You don't see this again in the book of Luke. The window of opportunity is closing. But for those who are the objects of his... Grace, such as this hunchbacked woman. Uh, the power uh, of real contact with the Savior transforms their lives. Now note how Jesus took the initiative in this healing. The woman exhibited no faith. She didn't appeal to him in any way. She probably couldn't even look up at him since she was bent over with her face to the ground. But Jesus noticed her need and did everything necessary to heal her. Now G. Campbell Morgan points out that Jesus saw her and then he adds, If there is a man or woman in the assembly of human beings more in need than any other, that is the man or woman that Jesus goes after. Well, that's true here today. Perhaps like this woman, you've been coming to church for years in some spiritually bent over condition. Perhaps people have ignored your need or have been simply helpless to do anything about it. But Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. And he wants the power of his word to touch and to heal your soul today. Now that power transforms you when you make real living contact with the living Lord. Now the point of these verses is very simple. We should avoid dead religion. You almost want to go, duh. But it's so easy to fall into it. We should avoid dead religion and pursue reality with the living Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity to dive into your word once again. Uh, it is so fresh. No matter how many times we've read it, no matter how many times we have studied it, Father, your spirit brings to light things that we've never seen before. And I pray that that would be the case this morning, that you would do your work in our hearts to prepare us, uh, to help us, uh, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand this truth. Lord, that we can know the difference between what is dead religion and what is true contact with the living Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this, this passage, it reveals seven, count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven contrasts between dead religion and reality with the living Lord. And we're going to look at those. Number one, dead religion is marked by bondage to Satan. But reality with the, the Lord frees people from long-term problems. Now, it was a f fairly normal day at the synagogue as the worshipers filed in. The men sat on one side, typically the right side. The women and children sat on the other side. 
um, perhaps a little bit late because she couldn't move very quickly, obviously, this bent-over woman shuffled into her regular place in the back. People were used to her. She'd probably been coming for years. She was difficult to talk to because it was such a strain for her to even look anyone in the face. So basically, people kind of left her alone. Usually, she was just looking at the ground. Now, probably the woman was a sincere believer in the Lord. In fact, Jesus calls her a daughter of Abraham. In just a few more chapters, he's going to call Zacchaeus a son of Abraham after he believes. Now, there's no indication that her problem was, a, was directly related to any sin. Remember, we covered this just a couple of weeks ago. Okay, and, and just because something's going bad in your life doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It could, could be. It could be discipline from the Lord, but not necessarily. If, if this woman had something that had caused this sin that was her doing, surely he would have given a word of rebuke or correction, but he doesn't. He gives none. This woman's decided, decided faith is probably indicated by her mere presence. Can you imagine the number of excuses she had for not coming to synagogue that day? Yowza. Her youthful beauty, it was now dis- disfigured by her, by her hunchback. So she probably was really self-conscious about how she looked. She probably was in constant pain. If you've ever dealt with constant pain, you know it affects the mind, makes it hard to concentrate. She would have had a hard time following what was going on. It was difficult enough just for her to walk the distance to get to the synagogue. She probably couldn't even, once she got there and got seated, seated, she probably couldn't even look up to see what was going on at the front. But where was she? She was there in the synagogue that day to worship God. Most people looked at her and assumed that she had a physical problem. That was kind of obvious. But Jesus perceived that her sickness was due to an evil spirit. Now certainly not all and perhaps not many physical illnesses are caused by evil spirits, but clearly some are. While demons cannot possess believers, they can afflict us in various ways. Paul attributed his thorn in the flesh to a messenger of Satan that was sent by God to simply keep him humble. In his case, it wasn't God's will to remove the source of affliction. So Paul was forced to depend on God's strength through his weakness. Now in other cases, such as here, it is his will to heal. But not until the problem had gone on for 18 long years. Why did God wait so long? Well, perhaps it was simply that he would be all the more glorified in her cure. But in spite of all the years of going to the synagogue, this woman was in bondage to this debilitating illness that Jesus ascribes to Satan. Now, as such, she is a picture of the millions who attend religious services every week for years, but they live in spiritual bondage to sin and to the prince of darkness. They're often sincere people, but they're, but they're bent over under the load of sin and guilt. Now, the religious system tolerate, tolerates their bondage and perhaps even shrugs it off as accepted. It, it's okay. But it cannot deliver them from it. What they need is what this woman experienced, a personal encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now this leads to the second contrast between dead religion and reality with the living Lord. Dead religion is impotent for lasting change. But reality with the Lord is powerful. What religion had not been able to do for over 18 years and was not even attempting to do now, Jesus did in an instant. He saw her. He spoke to her. He laid his hands on her. And she was instantly freed from this terrible affliction. And she stood upright for the first time in 18 years. Can you imagine? Now the difference for this woman that day was that she didn't just go to a religious service. She had personal contact with the living Lord. Meeting him personally freed her from the bondage to the enemy of her soul. It instantly cured a body that probably had severe spinal deformity. Now the length of illness was no problem for Jesus. It just brought greater glory to God in releasing her from her problem. Now, it would be wrong to conclude from this that the moment you meet Jesus Christ, all of your problems are instantly and miraculously over. They disappear. Some people do experience dramatic deliverance from long-term problems, such as alcohol or drug addiction, at the moment of salvation. God just takes it away from them. But not always. Others struggle against such problems for years after their conversion. And it would be wrong to imply from that that such people are not truly converted because they struggle. No, God simply has different lessons to teach them or a different purpose in His dealings with them. But even though salvation doesn't always bring instantaneous deliverance from long-term problems, it always results in instantaneous dramatic change of heart that comes from nothing, nothing less than the supernatural power of God. Conversion means that, that the formerly dead sinner receives new life from God. God changes his heart of stone into a heart of flesh that is now warm to the things of God. The formerly blind-eyed sinner, those eyes are open so that he can now see spiritual truth. The formerly captive sinner is loosed from his chains and set free so that he can now have power over the sin that once held him in bondage. Now all of these biblical metaphors for conversion teach us that it's not merely a human decision to turn over a new leaf, to try something new. No. Conversion requires the life-giving power of God in raising the sinner from the dead. Scripture is clear on that. Well, number three, dead religion lacks compassion for hurting people. But reality with the Lord, it results in compassion. The leader of the synagogue probably hadn't even noticed when this stooped over woman came into the, and hobbled into the synagogue that day. After all, she was a woman and the Jews barely tolerated women in religious matters. She probably was poor, so she wasn't a big contributor to the synagogue coffers. He didn't care about the fact that this poor woman had just been healed from 18 years of a terrible affliction. What bothered him was that it had been done on the Sabbath. So he stands up and he scolds the whole crowd, including the woman, for coming on the Sabbath to get healed. Can you imagine just such a thing? Tender-hearted, wasn't he? Now, by way of contrast, our Lord was full of compassion for those who hurt, especially for those who were being neglected or abused by the religious leaders. Now, while the men of Jesus' day had a rather low view of women that led them to shut them out of spiritual matters, 
If it was spiritual stuff, this was for men. Jesus always had time to spend with women. To teach them the things of God. To show concern for their problems. Now even though this woman was stooped over and perhaps hidden by taller people in the crowd, Jesus saw her. He took the time to call her over and deliver her from her illness. If we have reality with the Savior, we're going to be growing and seeing people through Jesus' eyes of compassion. Now although Jesus concentrated his time on the twelve, he always made time for those who needed his tender touch. Do you remember when, uh, I, I just happened to be talking about children, Thorne knows what's coming up. The disciples thought that the children were wasting the master's time, do you remember, and tried to hold them. And Jesus scolded them and said, no, 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 let them come to me. And he welcomed the children into the harm. So if he wants to come up here and let me hold him, that's fine. The disciples were baffled that he would take the time to talk to this woman in Samaria, in the city of Sychar, who's at a well. He knows who she is. The whole town knew who she was. But you know what she needed? She needed the living water that he could provide. Now, sometimes due to limitations or other commitments maybe, we have to say no to the demands of needy people. But we should never do so callously. We should grow in compassion as we walk with our compassionate Lord. Number four, dead religion is joyless and angry. But reality with the Lord is full of joy. Now here this poor woman has this dramatic healing and all this synagogue official can do is get angry and lecture everyone on the proper time to come for healing. It's incredible. But we've all met people like him. That was an amen by Thorne. Sadly, many Christian homes are marked more by rules and by anger than by heartfelt joy in the Lord. Now, I'm not saying there shouldn't be any rules or that you should not enforce them, no. I am saying that if we have reality in Christ, the atmosphere of our homes should be thick with joy and not with anger. Anger is a deed of the flesh. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Do you catch that? Well, number five, dead religion is hypocritical, but reality with the Lord is truthful and and genuine. Jesus calls not only the synagogue official, but also everyone who was in agreement with him, hypocrites. You hypocrites. The official was a hypocrite because he didn't have the integrity to address Jesus directly. He actually scolded Jesus by scolding the crowd. He also pretended to be concerned about people. Oh, you can come on any other day to be healed. No, he wasn't concerned about people at all. He was concerned that someone had violated his rules. He was like a store owner that I once read about who was so obsessed with keeping his store shelves neat that he actually closed the door for many hours during the day so that the customers couldn't come in and mess up his shelves. He forgot why he was in business. The Bible does teach a proper use of the Lord's day. We should set aside one day in seven to worship God and to rest from our normal work. But to come up with intricate rules of what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath, you know what that leads to? Hypocrisy. People focus on the rules and neglect the point, which is to meet with God and His people and to rest from the regular routine. Now in contrast to the hypocrisy of dead religion, (laughs) Jesus always was truthful and genuine. 
you know, uh, he talks about the fact uh, that we should be meek. And Jesus was meek. But he, he was also bold. He was also bold. If people were hypocrites, Jesus called them hypocrites to their face. He wasn't manipulative. He didn't go behind people's backs to share prayer concerns. He was honest and straightforward. As we should be. Well, six, dead religion promotes the wrong priorities. But reality with the living Lord keeps the right priorities. The religious leaders valued their rules over relationships. The rules over relationships. And as Jesus pointed out, they even valued their animals uh, over people. On the Sabbath, they felt free to untie their ox or their donkey and lead them to water so that they wouldn't be too thirsty. But they didn't want Jesus to heal this woman who had been bound by Satan all these years. Wrong priorities. Now, it wasn't only in Jesus' day, by the way, that people value animals more than they value people. There are many people today who will throw a fit over animal cruelty of any kind, and rightly so, but these same people will not blink an eye at the mention of abortion. You better not be messing with no animals, but you can kill your baby. There's something fundamentally wrong there. Dead religion always has mixed up priorities. It glories when people keep the rules, even if their hearts are far from God. It's happy with outward conformity, even though relationships may be shattered. It boasts in numbers, even if there is open sin in the camp. But reality with the Lord focuses on developing and maintaining, maintaining a heart of love for God and for others. Well, number seven, dead religion brings glory to men. Hello, Lord. But reality of the Lord brings glory to Him. Dead religion glories in outward fleshly conformity. You remember Paul, uh, he he wrote to the Galatians uh, about the Judaizers. He says, they desire to have you circumcised that they can boast in your flesh. It's outward conformity. When this woman experienced Jesus' healing touch, she glorifies God. The goal of Jesus' ministry was to deliver people from Satan's power so that God would be glorified. Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine that, that, that men may see your good, your good works and do what? Glorify you? Put you up on a pedestal? No. They will glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's what good works are intended to do. Those who think that they are saved by their own works, they glory in themselves. Those who have truly been saved know that it was totally by God's grace, and so they give Him all of the glory. Matthew Henry observes, When crooked souls are made straight, they will show it by their glorifying God. Or as the psalmist exalts, How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. You see, people feel comfortable with dead religion because it does not confront the flesh. It actually feeds the flesh. But Jesus always confronts our sinful pride and selfishness. The goal of the one who has met Jesus is to glorify God. 
Now Luke concludes his story story by noting that Jesus' opponents, they were humiliated. But the multitude was rejoicing over the glorious things being done by Jesus. Now as we saw before, Jesus and his teaching always seems to draw a line in the sand that divides. This miracle isn't recorded here so that we can come to church, sit and say, well, that's interesting, and then leave here in the same condition as you, as you came in. That's not the purpose. It's here to make us ask ourselves, which side am I on? Am I just going through the motions of dead religion? Or do I have reality with the living Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I want you to think through these seven contrasts. I'm just going to read them. One, dead religion is marked by bondage to Satan, but reality with the Lord frees people from long-term problems. Number two, dead religion is impotent for lasting change, but reality with the Lord is powerful. Number three, dead religion lacks compassion for hurting people, but reality with the Lord results in compassion. Number four, dead religion is joyless and angry, but reality with the Lord is full of joy. Number five, dead religion is hypocritical, but reality with the Lord is truthful and genuine. Number six, dead religion promotes the wrong priorities, but reality with the Lord keeps the right priorities. And number seven, dead religion brings glory to men, but reality with the Lord brings glory to men. To him. So ask yourself honestly, which marks my life? Dead religion or reality with the living Lord? If you lack that reality, your need, like that of this woman, is to make personal contact with Jesus himself. He alone has the power to release you from dead religion so that you can walk in the joy of new life in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just the goodness of your word. Its design is to lead us to your son, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray, just as Tyler did earlier, that if there's anybody in here that that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day. Father, they would cross over that line that Jesus has drawn over and over again. Father, that they would be done with dead religion and turn to the living Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask it in His precious name. Amen. We're just going to give you a chance to respond this morning. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you. If if, if you hear something in your heart, we believe that's the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's not just the pizza you had last night for dinner uh, making you think of something. No, it's the Holy Spirit and He is trying to share truth with you. If that's happening, okay, and, and it's likely going to be different for each one of us. It has been different, okay? But... If that's happening to you, don't run from it. That's the easy, I will tell you, that is the easiest thing to do. You say, oh, I can take care of this tomorrow, God. I can deal with this later. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. We just heard that thunderclap. How many would like to have been hit by that lightning bolt? There wouldn't be anything left of you if that thing got hold of you. I said this last week. You may be young and healthy right now. You could be in your coffin tonight. That is a, that's the reality that we live in. So if if you've got something going on on the inside and you don't understand it, don't run from it. It's easy to do. Satan, Satan will be by the side, oh, you did a good thing. Yes, yes, you can take care of that later. Good job. Yes, 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 yes. No. 
God is saying, Paul says, today is the day of salvation. Today. If you need God, you come today. If you're walking with God, I hope maybe you got a taste of even some part of your life that might be involved in dead religion and needs contact with the living Lord. Get that right with God today. Now, if you'd like to join our our fellowship, you just come and talk to me as we sing, and we'll see about getting you going with us here at First Baptist. We'll ask you guys to sing, and if the Lord is speaking to you, you come and you share it with me. Miss Sarah, you guys stand and sing, and Sarah's going to lead. hiding down in my pocket. Thanks for being with us this morning. Um, Be in prayer for the church council this afternoon. We're going to meet at 5. If you're part of that, which is mostly committee chairs and department, (coughs) excuse me, department heads and such as that, we're going to be discussing the reopening process. Um, And I know that, you know, Governor DeSantis is putting us in phase 3 and going to, you know, what that... Uh, presupposes and what have you, that doesn't mean this thing's gone. And I totally understand. I've already heard from multiple people that have said, yeah, I don't care what he says, we're not coming back yet. And, and look, that is up to you. That's between you and God and your spouse and your family and all of that. So we understand that this is going to be a process. It's not like we're going to say, hey, come back next week, we're going full board. No. We're going to have to evaluate some of our ministries. Because some of the leaders of those ministries aren't coming back yet. It might be a great opportunity for a a service opportunity for you that that hasn't been there in the past. Alright? So we're going to be looking at at Sunday schools, children's ministries, Wednesday night activities. You name it, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but we need God's wisdom in all of that. We certainly don't want to get ahead of Him. And just because Governor DeSantis said so... That's okay. We decided to leave it just like is, and it may be this way, the social distancing for a few more weeks. If you didn't know it, if you're not comfortable in here, okay, uh, because you would rather a little more social distancing, you can go back in the CLC. We've got it on a huge screen, a nice sound system. Okay, you can watch it back there and have plenty of social distancing. We're going to continue to do that and offer that for any that is not comfortable being in here. But we're not just going to blow things open and say, y'all come. It is going to be a process. All right, so just, just pray for us. We had one Sunday school class that hadn't met in six months, and they met this morning. And I walked in, and, 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 and Lori was talking, and she turned my way, and she saw me, and she goes, oh, Brother Dave. And she stopped, and I said, I just wanted to say welcome back. And they all just laughed and, you know, 
it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And it's good to be back with your small groups and stuff. But it's going to be a process. So pray for us as we determine what that process is going to look like. And pray about your part in that process. Like I said, there may be a chance for service that was not there before. And something that you can do. Something that you can fulfill. All right. Yes, okay, last week I didn't do... We did this last week, but we couldn't get it to work. All right, this is, this is number five, Corey. Uh, Josh. Testing. Yep. Hey, Riley, you're up close. This, 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 this is Riley. He's the uh, chairman of our deacons. If you wouldn't mind just closing us in a word of prayer, please. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the truth that's found in it, Lord. We just ask that You would... Help us to take it into our hearts and hide it in our hearts so that we would not sin against You. Yes. We thank You for this opportunity to be here and what it means to each one of us as believers. Lord, help us to uh, just go out and uh, live our lives in accordance with Your will. Uh, be with those that couldn't be here for whatever the reason. Lord, watch over them. Guide and direct them. Forgive us of our sins and shortcomings. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, crawfordvillefbc.com.